1: If there were a World Record Award to give for World's Greatest Delay of Game, it would definitely go to 2020. But even though MLB had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash sbmlb. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash SBMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th.
2: So, we are here at Viewpoint Brewing. Thank you for teaching me that Viewpoint Brewing exists, Dave.
3: Let me tell you how refreshing it is for me to tape in coastal North County, as I've been stuck in inland North County for quite a while. For <laughs> Which the past we call East episodes. County. Uh, not quite East County. We're not talking about Poway here. Kind of. right. We're talking about San Marcos. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have the coastal breeze, which I don't get near Marver's home. Right. So. Well, and you also don't
2: have to deal with Marver and right. his breeze.
3: Exactly. Yeah, a lot of breeze there. <laughs> Coming out of both ends, I'll tell you.
2: So we've got, we've got the views of Del Mar to our side. We've got uh, the Penitent Man IPA, IPA,
3: IPA.
2: Uh, as our beverage of choice this afternoon. And we thank Viewpoint. For their time. Now, parking at Viewpoint can be a bit janky. A little bit. And uh, as I pulled up, the general lot that would be assigned to this place was full. And then I was on the road, and I saw a gravelly spot to the side of the road that looked wide open, right? Wide open. Only problem being there was a a car in front of me, and there was a car to my left going the other way. So I put on my blinker, blinkering it over... And I'm being patient and a good good citizen and just waiting my turn. And then here comes this bro in a BMW convertible. And bro looks at me, sees my signal, sees the spot, just cruises on into it. Just says, hey, you know what? I got a Beamer. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Don't worry about this guy. I'll just take care. I'll just take this from you. Hey, all good. So I'm I'm sitting there. the guy pulls in, and there's about three seconds between I'm stewing on my juices. I'm thinking, do I roll down my window? His window's partially down. He'll be able to hear me. Do I roll down my window right now and say, excuse me, did you not see me right here? Or did you just think this is okay on your part? And right then, here's my man Dave on the right side of the car saying, yeah, if you park there, you're going to get towed.
3: (laughs) Jokes on that guy. (laughs) So park up here. (laughs)
2: <laughs> which I did, and I had to pay, I think, $2 uh, to park. So I truly, truly hope this man's car gets towed.
3: I as well. Because I pulled in there, I, just to make this clear, I pulled into that spot as well, and a lady ran out to tell me that I was going to get towed. So hopefully that lady was taking a phone call or was checking the mail and, and just missed the guy yeah. because, because sweet justice.
2: Sweet justice. Look, even if it's an illegal parking space, Just don't steal it from me, man. When I'm blinkering for that thing, that bad boy's mine. Obey the rules of the road. Period. Mm -hmm. Make the Padres great and quintelligent again.
3: A super pod. This is a super pod.
2: This is a super pod. This is Make the Padres Great Again. This is Quintelligence. This is going on both feeds. This is Craig. This is H.J. Preller, the one and only.
3: Yes, yes. Thanks for, thanks for meeting me here, Craig. You you ventured into North County. You're getting to see our professional podcasting equipment here. This is um,
2: way over ours. Which
3: today I've learned how to use, which is great. <laughs> it's great to have a professional here to, to coach me and teach me.
2: All right, well, yeah, you know, I like to lend my expertise where it's where it's due.
3: Yeah, you've done a great service for, for our listeners, so I, I thank you for that.
2: <laughs> and I appreciate you taking the photo of it as well. <laughs> I, I took a photo of the settings
3: because the, there there's I don't know thirty dials on this. I, right, I can't, I can't I don't know how to use it. There's
2: so let's start if we can with an MTPGA status report. What's going on with Make the Padres Great Again? What's happening? Clearly, Craig and John aren't here. Craig and Dave are here. Craig and HJ are here. So uh, that means John isn't. So what's going on? Same thing. Same thing. Go back to our Machado Day podcast, our emergency Machado podcast. We discussed what's happening and John's situation with SB Nation. And look, I don't know how it's going to get resolved. It might. It might resolve to the positive. The last time I talked about it, it was a problem. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to get anybody, not that there's a a feather to ruffle right now, unfortunately, but I don't want to ruffle feathers regardless. Future feathers. Don't need to ruffle them. Point being, if it works out that way, and the two of us are reunited, they're great. And if not, as you hear now, I am here to say the podcast must go on.
3: It must. It's an important season. It can't quit.
2: Can't stop now. Can't have put in the last three years
3: (laughs) to (laughs) to quit now. You went through the Jabari Blash years. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There I mean, was more than one Jabari last year. Clayton Richard. You know,
2: I mean, come on. Brian Mitchell. Chase Headley, for God's oh sakes. God. There's so much there's so much ground that we've walked that we are not gonna hang up our cleats
3: now. We had to talk about Tommy Medica on oh all of my our podcasts. God. Do you remember when he almost got the cycle? He was yes. gonna be the first cycle. And it made all the podcasts because we had nothing else to talk about but <laughs> But Tommy Medica. <laughs> Tommy freaking Medica,
2: who I did see in college and was pretty good at Santa Clara University, but say, la vie. Wow, the food here looks amazing. Unbelievable. Just got served black burger. I can't bean wait burger, to eat on Mike. I haven't done this steak, in a while. Cheese steak, right? This is going to be disastrous <laughs> to the quality of the podcast, but excellent to the quality of our stomach. So,
3: And launch- luckily for you, Intelligence fans are very accustomed to poor sound quality, so <laughs> this is going to be
2: fine. Be, right? So basically, uh, my take, gang... And whenever H.J.'s available, I mean, he is my first pick right now because, first of all, he sounds close enough to John that for some of you, you won't notice the difference.
3: Verbal doppelgangers. That's what we've been described <laughs> as. And actually, uh, I happened to be at Bay City Brewing before the soccer's game, before the Landon game, I believe. And uh, John happened to be there. And my wife pointed out that we are verbal doppelgangers. So it's—it even the ones closest to us believe this is true.
2: <laughs> so, you know, when possible... Uh, this will this will be the configuration but I might go crossing stream style as as need be and, and bring in a, a rotating cohort of uh, cast members to to join the pod and, and to talk about it because I'm not just gonna talk to you by myself I'd just I'd be bored to tears I, in 10 minutes I'd pull up the reins and just say forget it so uh, so that's that's what we're looking at right now that's the status report is it's here the season's beginning so I was not gonna not gonna let this go by. We're, this is the season preview podcast, and we are underway. So we're about to go into regular order. I just don't know what regular order looks like exactly.
3: Yeah, I guess I should say that Marv and I are just normal. We're, we'll keep doing our podcasts. Like, yeah. So this will just be bonus footage for uh, right. a, a bonus episode for, for the few intelligence fans that there are. So, uh,
2: you know, hey, that's where we stand, and we look forward to an exciting season. And hey, knock wood, John will be back before too long. Alright, so Season Preview Podcast. We've gone through spring training. The team has left Peoria. They've gone to Peoria. They've left Peoria. They've introduced Manny Machado. They have not introduced Dallas Keuchel because he's still unsigned. They have made their, for the most part, all their roster decisions. And as we record on a lovely Tuesday in Del Mar, Thursday's opening day looms quickly. So the first. However, I
3: mean, there are questions. I yeah. mean, do we want to talk about them now? I mean, there there are openings. Like we have no clue who's starting on Saturday. Correct. Uh, in fact, we know four of the rotation, four of the five in the we rotation. We just don't know num- number have three. No clue who number three is. And you look at the <laughs> prospects on the roster, and we still have no clue who right. it is. I mean, they could. It could be Johnny Holstaff. Like I didn't see him on the uh, on Correct. the roster yet, yeah. but
2: Unadiscided, the right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Latin American mystery man Unadiscided. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Like, like what? A, any guesses on that? I mean, I think the position players are pretty set. I mean, we got yeah. some news this morning that kind of uh, filled that in. That like, Mejia
2: will be on the right. roster, so it's um, Hedges and Mejia. Like there we is expected. There's some
3: mystery on you know Tatis or or Urias. I guess yeah, um, it's gonna. You know what's gonna happen there. We right? all know what's gonna happen. I've right. um, said that before and been very wrong. So I, I don't know, but uh, I, I think for me the biggest question is that that Saturday starter. Personally, because Marver and I have a burrito bet on whether Brian Mitchell will get a start, and Johnny Holstaff might, could be Brian Mitchell.
2: That's true. That could be the first part of it. Yeah. Slash the worst part of it.
3: Right. The worst, yeah. (laughs) And there would be open rebellion, and and this would be very much Padres to take a good, when there's good spirits, and just dole them down by sticking Brian Mitchell out there. So I don't want to put that past them.
2: It's very possible, and... I don't know. I mean, at first when I saw that, I'm like, is there something they know that they're not telling us? Is there someone they're about to announce that's coming here via trade or via something else that's going to be slotted into that Saturday spot? But hmm, probably not.
3: Probably not. Possibly, but probably
2: not. And we already know big game Bobby Erlin is supposed to be in the bullpen, so not supposed to be him, but maybe it will be. He's a Johnny
3: Holstaff guy, right? Yeah, to
2: me. I mean, if you announce that it's an opener spot and that there's just there's no spot there, it's an opener, then who cares who it is, right? Yeah. Um, but we'll talk more about the opener uh, momentarily. So you're right. I mean, There's a couple things left, right. right? But there are details on the margin. And as we know, with this Padres club, worrying about one spot in the starting rotation is almost adorable, given that probably we'll have 14 starters by June. Right. So...
3: Well, and especially given that most people consider the starting staff to be the, the biggest weakness of this roster construction. So the fact that we at least know about four of them solidly is, is progress, I guess.
2: Agreed. So the first thing I wrote down was Machado-sized expectations. It's been one of the most fun months in Padres fandom in decades, without the team winning an actual Major League Baseball game because there's been this feeling of we're in the club now, right? We've got a big money star. right? We've been in the headlines. We're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. People are talking about the Padres now. And that leads many, many casual viewers to have an assumption that the Padres are good now, that a playoff chase, if not capturing a playoff berth that a playoff chase is in the works this year so i guess my first question harold james is (laughs) is uh are the padres set up for disappointment as a result of that
3: so you remember 2015 Uh, very well i pointed this out on our podcast quite a few times that you were uh you were one of the leading people to say, hey, guys, maybe maybe take a step back about 2015. And I remember distinctly you did a Saturday show, and I happened to be driving down to San Diego and listening, and you went through the lineup and pointed out how many strikeouts that they would have. Yeah. That they would be well over 1,000 strikeouts in the, in the starting lineup. And I guess part of me, obviously, we don't want to... <laughs> After years of of us lobbying for the ownership to do exactly this, they did exactly what we wanted. Right. Um, I do think we should, you know, adjust expectations a little bit because that's always been an issue with with us where we get happy about people talking about us and that's a victory. Or we consider being competitive in August or September a victory like – the goal is a championship, right? So the goal always is to, as you guys have said, make the Padres great again. And greatness, to me, is winning a championship. Sure. Um, let's look at the facts, though. Like, they've added Manny Machado, which is exceptional. We now have one of the best third basemen in baseball. What's the war difference? Is that a five-war increase from last year, probably? The For sure. The rotation is arguably, I don't know. What do you think? Worse or the same? They've added Paddock. The same to better. Right. But not a huge step forward. I think a lot of people think, we well, you added Paddock. And that's, what, a, an extra war over Clayton Richard last year, yeah, possibly? Probably. Especially with the limits on the innings. Um, the bullpen is arguably much – not arguably, it's worse. Uh, they lost Brad Hand, who was an all-star closer. They lost Jose Castillo for the season. Um, Craig Stammen's another year older. And, I, honestly, Craig Stammen's a guy where – I don't know if you can count on him every year to be a two ERA, 2.0 ERA two guy. That's a right? very
2: reasonable thing to say, by the way, that no one is saying.
3: Right. Um, and Kirby Yates, I hope he's good. He's, he's been very good this spring, for whatever that that's worth. But are they going to keep him? Are they going to trade him off at the deadline, which would be a prudent thing to do, you know, given that they churned through these closers? And so what was the greatest strength, what was a historically good bullpen, may just be regular this year. And that's kind of a big deal. And so... I don't. I don't know where they're at. I mean, I think I put out a prediction of like seventy-nine wins, but I, I think, I think a lot of stuff has to go right for it to be a playoff team, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And you know, I'll, I'll nail down a, and you can nail down a, a win total at the end of this thing. Uh, I, I just, <clears throat> right here, I'm just wondering. You know, are the Padres going to have to deal with a May media cycle of you aren't what we thought you were? And I, if they do, I don't think it's necessarily fair. I, that's just what I'm putting out at the beginning. And we're, we're going to break down this roster here. I definitely think this team's improved with a chance. And I know it's kind of like filling an inside straight, you know, but it's a chance to be a winner mm-hmm. this year. It's possible. We'll talk about it.
3: So so what you're saying is, you're as far as the media goes, like let's call it the Kaplan Gage. Yeah, right. A very right. casual very fan fair. with a very large mouth. Like, right. He, he has influence, right? And... Yeah, you're right. Let's say they're I don't know, twenty and thirty through the first two months. Is that a is that is that death for this team in the public eye? I mean, obviously, hardcore it's fans are behind be it. It's gonna be
2: talked about. That's for sure. For sure. And it could be really bad for Andy Green specifically as oh, a human. Well,
3: that'd be really good for us fans. <laughs> yeah, right? that's so. true.
2: But I, I think it would be pointless. Is my is my sure. statement? You know, I think it would be pointless to throw that.
3: I if will you- point out that luckily their April's kind of weak. Starting the April, so they do have everything's lined up for them to not screw that up.
2: That would be something. Yeah. So the expectations. Let me just say this: it's nice. It's nice. Expectations. That we have are to good. talk about
3: it. Yeah. And to have high expectations drives excellence in everything. So right. it's it, When we went into seasons and we were like, you know, maybe they'll let's hey. Only a month ago, the hope was, hey, let's just hope they win more games than last year. Well, of course, of course. They won 67 games. You want more than last year. Like, that's the lowest possible expectation you could set for them, and that doesn't drive excellence. That that leads to decisions that are not based off maximizing wins. And I think now they're in a position where this is it for Andy, right? His goal is to win. It's not to get playing time for, I don't know, who's— there's, just, there's so many awful names running through my head from the last year, but like, right. they're not evaluating, right? right. They're, they're winning.
2: Right. So. That's the idea. So, as such, establishing that expectations are higher, knowing that people are paying more attention, let's offer a realistic preview of this club. And I begin with this question, this optimistic, exciting question. And I don't know how your answer, and I don't know if you'll agree with how I answer. What will the Padres do best This year as a
3: club, in your opinion? Uh, Does hit home runs count? Yes. Because I think they're a power team. I think they're a power team. I think the power is exceptional. And AJ, I think, has a record of lusting after home run power guys. Yeah. Uh, Above all statistical categories, possibly. I mean, he loves guys that hit bombs. That's why Jabari Blash was here. Like. It, like, that's the kind of guy that, that A.J. salivates over, a guy with tremendous power with limited parts of their other game. And you see it kind of across the field, especially the outfield. Yes.
2: Let's discuss the green part of the field. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, the part large where it's very expansive true. expansive part that,
3: <laughs> that's immensely notable when you have bad defense there. Uh, but, I mean, those are guys that are going to hit bombs above all, above all else. You can say what you want about Hunter Renfro's game, but he's going to hit bombs. Will Myers is going to hit home runs. Yep.
2: Franmil Reyes is going to hit home runs.
3: And Manny
2: Machado is going to hit home runs. I think the catchers are going to hit home runs. Uh, The first baseman should hit more homers, but I don't know for sure that he will. But not
3: get all crazy. I mean, but maybe. I think
2: that I think he's a a modest favorite to hit more. Not to say fifteen more, but five more.
3: Two more. Three three more. more. Right.
2: You know, I think he'll have a little more power. I think that's very reasonable. You, you set out
3: Margot and you stick Franchi in there. Like you're right. talking bombs in this mm-hmm, lineup. Mm-hmm. You're not talking a lot of OBP, and you're not talking a lot of uh, average, but you're talking bombs. And as a fan, that's really exciting.
2: I think it is very reasonable to say that hitting home runs will be what the Padres do best this year. And when I was thinking of how to answer this question myself, I think that was number two on my list was hitting home runs. But now I'm not contradicting you, but I'm, I do think – the underrated part of the Padres is their ability in the back end of the bullpen to get outs, and, and furthermore, to have the depth in the middle of the bullpen to get outs. Uh, yes, they don't have Brad Hand, but that was a strategic decision. Jose Castillo's loss, uh, ostensibly he could have done some of the things that Brad Hand did. But the depth of the Padres organizationally to put players in roles where they might get three outs and throw really hard... Or get two outs and throw really hard. I like the pieces that they have still. And I think it's even now underrated in terms of just completely undiscussed. But even if Stammen and Yates regress a little, as long as they don't regress a lot, I still think with guys like Stock and Wigenter and, again, all the players who will be coming up over the course of the season who might find their way into the bullpen... I think the Padres are going to have live arm after live arm, and they've got the best guy to take a live arm and say, "Here, you're not a refined product yet, but let me tell you what you can do best in this way to help us win." And that's, of course, Balsley. And as such, I think the Padres have the ability to convert fifth inning leads into wins this year.
3: I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like the bullpen has a lot of great pitchers, and and, and I'm going to operate off the assumption that Stammen and Yates just. Repeat last year, okay? Sure. Um, I do think there's questions though. Like, like you named a lot of guys. Trey Wingenter's not a slam dunk. Like I, I watched him last. I- it's spring training, right? It's exhibition, but he's all over the place. He's uh, stock has had, you know, he's a guy, right? All the time, there are bullpen stars that regress the next year. Sure. And I'm not saying they're going to do it. I, I don't want to sound like I'm predicting it, but. It, it happens, right? And so there is a preview on the forty-man roster of who the next guys up are, right? There's Brad Week, a guy recovering from cancer who has had a limited spring training. There's Gerardo Reyes, who I I've watched Nelson a ton. I don't know how much you've seen him. Yeah, he's the a guy throws was gas, was
2: super gas, right? He's
3: Short and he throws gas. He's he's like a he's like a Billy Wagner kind of. But
2: who was the AA kid who was throwing hundred two last year and blowing everybody away? Uh, was hmm? it Reyes? For Munoz is there a Munoz? I mean Reyes
3: throws gas I've off the Elsinore radar I've seen him throw 99 to 100 before yeah um, he doesn't necessarily know
1: hey mid-Atlantic it's me winter just a heads up I'm gonna ice and snow all week but if you're driving a Honda you'll be fine and right now Honda is offering its best ever APR on the entire Honda SUV lineup CRV HRV
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Pilot, passport, and more. With real-time all-wheel drive and all the safety features included with Honda Sensing, like a collision mitigation braking system and adaptive cruise control. Oh, and don't forget to turn on your heated seats. It's going to get cold. Sorry. See your local Honda dealer today.
3: And we kind of saw that this, this spring, but yeah. um, he certainly throws hard. And so you can fix those guys maybe, but sometimes you can't. And, and so I think there's sometimes an assumption that from fans that you just take what happened last year, right, and you add to it. Right, and right. Then you just, and, and that everything will repeat, and you've got that straight line to estimate off of. And the Padres' bullpen was historically good last year, and it's really difficult to repeat historically good.
2: Right. Otherwise, it wouldn't be historical. And
3: Brad Hand wasn't <laughs> nothing. Like I'm not saying they shouldn't have traded him. They definitely should have traded him. And, um, but uh, he was really good. Like you lose a guy like Brad Hand in his prime, at his best. Like that's that's a big hit to a right. bullpen. And right. then you move Strom, who is one of the, the the long relievers that was excellent, into the rotation. Like you're, you know, you're weakening that. You're. There's now more Bob Erlen than w- for what used to be Matt Strom.
2: Right. That's very fair. So I I think the Padres are going to be able to put together some wins in that back end of the bullpen and mixing and matching. But it leads me to the next topic on this, uh, on our little rundown here on MTPGA season preview, which is the rotation. And I put the rotation slash the opener. If you follow me on Twitter, as I'm sure every single one of you do at 619 sports, follow my friend H.J. at H.J. Preller. Uh, I wrote this today because there's a lot of excitement about the announcement that Chris Paddock's in the starting rotation. Everyone's like, Paddock's starting Sunday. Paddock's starting Sunday. Are you going to go? Because Paddock's starting Sunday. And I want to just be that weird dude who holds up his hand right now in the back of the class and says, Paddock shouldn't be starting on Sunday. I don't mean he shouldn't be pitching on Sunday. He absolutely should be pitching on Sunday. He should be in line to get the win on Sunday, which he's never going to do. In his first 10 starts. Because they're not going to let him go 5. Right. Sorry about it, but that's the truth, gang. Paddock is on an innings limit, super innings limit. He's on a chastity belt innings limit. He pitched 90 innings last year coming off of Tommy John. Do you think they're going to let him throw 190 innings this year? You're insane. Do you think they're going to let him throw 180? No. 150? Probably not. Probably not. So I heard Darren Smith today talking about in kind of in a joking way, but a very true way, talking about, you know, that moment when Chris Paddock throws five perfect innings or six perfect innings and gets pulled. I mean, that's a guarantee, man. That's an absolute guarantee. I don't know that he'll pitch six innings all year.
3: And some of it's, I'm not going to say it's his fault, but he's striking out a ton of guys. And when you strike out a ton of guys, you're not getting, like, first-pitch ground balls to shortstop, which is how you pitch a complete game. Like, if you strike out 20 people, it's really hard to to do that especially when you're on a, a pitch limit you kind of saw it last night really he struck out a ton of people against Seattle he uh was pulled after what in the third inning yeah, I think because he pitches, threw like yeah. 45 49 pitches yeah. in, in that time so five innings is going to be when you with as many guys as he's doing like it's hard to get to that it's hard to get to that innings mark
2: no there, it is and as such I don't believe the Padres have even one 150 inning starter in their rotation right now. Like, maybe. Maybe Lauer and Lucchese get there. Maybe they get to 175. I
3: think Lucchese's that kind of guy.
2: He might be. Didn't he
3: throw 150? What did he throw last year? I
2: think the season-high guy was 151 or something yeah. like that. Um, and
3: But same thing with him. He strikes out a lot of guys.
2: Right. And then when you get eight punchies in five innings, all of a sudden that pitch counts at 87, right. 89, you know, and then and then you're and in a tough spot. And when you know spot. you have that
3: bullpen, like Andy Green is inclined to pull it, you right. know, to win the game. So.
2: so Andy Green and the Padres, so far and for the last two years, they have kind of been stubbornly crossing their arms as baseball innovates. And while Green talked a beautiful game in 2017 about the opener— leading to multiple The Opener podcasts on MTPGA before The Opener was ever used in a big league game, all right? This feed has been more pro-Opener than just well, about any feed in the you world. T-shirts for this. Right. You know, so with that, I see Strom and Paddock in the rotation as like the most obvious example of guys who should not be starters but should be headliners behind The Opener. The guy who comes in next, the Ryan Yarbrough role. you know, and, and whether you call that bulk guy, which is what some people are calling it, or you call it the headliner, which I like after the opener, the headliner, right? Yeah. The, you know, I guess you could have the feature, too, if you really wanted to fill out your comedy lineup. But I, I like the headliner as the act. I mean, to me, you make Robert Stock your opener, man. You say, Stockers, you go out there and you face four guys and punch him out throwing 102. Go do that thing. If you can get six outs for us, Bonnie on you, brother. Go get it. But if you need to get us three or four, get us three or four. And then it's Strom. And then it's Paddock. And then it's win time. As those guys go through the third to the sixth and kick ass and take names and get wins. Get you know get the reward right. for their effort. As opposed to all these great four and two-thirds inning starts that Be- wind up, sorry, you're pulled and you don't even get to qualify.
3: Because as much as we statistical... Minded people want to talk down wins. The players care a lot about wins. Yes, right? they do, um,
2: and they can base their confidence on right. Hey, I'm going out there and I'm never winning. Oh my God, I'm 12 starts into my big league career. I'm Chris Paddock, and I've got four losses and no wins because even when I pitch well, I'm out after four. I'm out after five, and then they it was one one, and I there was nothing I could do. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, is that is that bullshit in a way? I mean, a little, but. My point is, but if it
3: matters to the player, then it matters. Right, it might not matter to us, and statistically, it probably doesn't matter. But you know, if it matters to Chris Paddock, then it definitely matters.
2: Would you rather have the Rays' complete group of pitchers or the Padres' complete group of pitchers?
3: I take the Padres.
2: So why not maximize that group
3: in so the way that Tampa you, Bay does? I I didn't watch that much. I know they used. Uh, who did they use as their opener? It was Romo and, Romo and Ryan Stanick
2: yeah. were the two guys so they so used the did most. Did
3: they deploy it strategically based off of lefty-righty matchups? Like, there is a lefty-heavy lineup, one through three, so you bring in the, the opener with a lefty. Like Is that kind of how they did it, or, or was it like a, a change of pace where they would bring in a fireballer and then bring in a command guy afterwards? Like I
2: mean, really, they, to me, it was... Because that was really my question. Like yeah.
3: I, I was looking at the Giants lineup, and it's not necessarily one one-way-handed, so how, how would you deploy the opener in this case? A- well, and really, both pitchers are kind of fireballers that you're following them up with. Strom throws high 90s, Paddock's hitting right. 95 pretty regularly. It's not really a change of pace.
2: So, this is how I think it should work, ideally. And I think that baseball managers can tell you the various reasons why they wouldn't do it this way, and it would just come down to biorhythms, health, rest, etc. Um... But to me, if you have the ideal of extremes, you want to maximize that, right? So I want stock to open every game that Strom pitches. I want stock to open every single game Strom pitches. So you've got this really hard righty with a wipeout slider that you really want to stack lefties against. And if you don't stack lefties against him because you're settling for Strom later... Well, that gives you a major advantage for two innings. Right. And if you do stack lefties, well, you're counting on Rob to, Big Bob Rob to get through the first inning with his hard velocity. And then you're throwing in Strom, and now they're back at the disadvantage, right? And ideally, you'd have a Castillo around that you could do it the other way. But you know what? Aaron Loop, with his bloopity bloop, he, he might do the same thing if you had just the Dodgers, Right? Lefty, 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 lefty. And then you go, but you know they're so statistically ordinary. You go, nope, we're going to bring in the bloopy bloop with Aaron Loop. And then they're like, nope, we're going to go David Freeze leading off and you know six righties on right. top. And then you let him pitch to two guys, and then you yank him, and you, and you bring in your, your bombastic Chris Paddock. Okay. And then yep. Paddock's got the platoon advantage all the way.
3: So one last thing. You've been around players. you, you, you like on the radio. Um, we talked about how wins matter to them. Does, does does that matter do the wins matter more to them than actually being a starter because there is there is some value psychologically and preparation wise to being a starter the routine the warm ups everything like that right do you think there's any kind of trade off between the two
2: well you know there used to be a little bit more prestige to being a taxi cab driver too and then jobs changed and then that that role in society changed well, and to I me mean, baseball th- is changing to the point where I think it's somewhat quaint. And and I'm not saying you're wrong, and you're completely right that psychologically, from a player standpoint, 100 percent Chris Paddock is like, I don't want to be no bulk guy. I'm the That's, horse. I'm right, the sheriff. that sounds like a Costco worker. You know, I don't want to be the headliner. That's Jason Lawhead. You know? Like, I wanna be the starting pitcher. I want to show up in my cowboy suit and start the game, take the rock and not give it up till the eighth inning. That's great. But it ain't going to happen. And if you just want to be bullheaded about it, then guess what? You can get Chris Paddock starting that way for 15 starts and get ready for the Chris Paddock's near his innings limit and it's June
1: right. story.
2: And then, oh shit, what do we do? We're four games over 500. Everyone's loving this. And now we have to shut this dude down or risk his career in a year that is not going to end in a world championship. So I. I what I think that the Rays have done is they've sublimated ego, you know? And by the way, I read a very interesting article on The Ringer this week about how at baseball Perspective, prospectus and fan graphs and baseball reference, they are finding ways to adjust war for the opener, to adjust for a guy like a Ryan Yarbrough hmm. who won 16 games last year and pitched like 130 innings and struck out like 160 dudes, had an amazing year, but because he didn't start... He, war was like dinging him. And now they're figuring out the ways to tweak war to make the fact that you started the game far less relevant to how many players you faced and, and in what flow of game you faced them. Right. So to me, it's all a matter of adjusting. And just like Uber completely transformed the, the ride share... Industry, right, yeah. yeah, just right. Ground transportation, down to get from one place to another without having your own car industry. Uh, and just like the iPhone... Completely change the way we do everything with everything. To me, just this is a change that players have to adjust to now. Right. And and the smart teams get there sooner, and the the more regressive teams will be dragged there, just a couple years behind.
3: Well, and one thing we're learning through this, you know, weird off season of labor sp- strife, kind of. Um, they care about war now. Like the players aren't aren't, aren't aren't out of it anymore. The agents are on it, the players are on it. They're they've now linked money to war because that's what the owners have linked it to. And things like you talked about where where the war computations are being changed based off of the situation, that that matters to them. So if there is a way I think if the case can be made to players that hey Chris like let me show you how this is going to help your performance and thus improve your war, and, and the players can do the math on what that means to their future earning potential. That I think that's how you go about it. Right. Know? Plus,
2: we want the Padres to be great again, and as such, I need Chris Paddock to be available to throw 210 innings in 2021.
3: Okay, Probably more if they go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I
2: mean, yeah. and so as such, I need Chris Paddock To throw no more than 140 innings this year. And then he can get to 175 in 2020, and then he can be
3: there. Then he's the horse. To be a DeGrom
2: and to be your ace. And and you don't worry, and you just pitch him until he's ineffective, you know, like he used to do in college. Yeah. And so we need that ramp. By the way, we need that ramp for Espinosa when he comes up. And for Strom right now. And for... Lauer and Lucchese. We can't ask them to go out and throw 220 innings, 215 innings, and then expect them to be good two years from now. Right.
3: So Lamet. I mean, and, and LeMet let's not, is a great and, example. Let's not be naive here. Like, there's going to be others. Right. You know, this is how pitchers work, and 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 I actually like the idea of the Padres finding a model that they're battle testing and can apply for those future cases. So, right.
2: Um, and that, that's just what. That's how I see it, man. Is like. They I don't think they're going to do anything of what I've just talked about for the last 10 minutes. I think they're going to stubbornly yes, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. they're going to stubbornly say our starters are our starters and then they're going to go pull those starters after four innings a lot of times because they the innings limits are real. They just don't want to confront it directly right. in an innovative way. They want to kind of just have that under the carpet for you not to think about until it comes up. And then you're like, hey, by the way, sorry, we got to shut these guys down. And then they'll just go like, that's okay. We're going to bring up Quantrill. We're going to bring up Logan Allen. We're going to bring up you know, we're going to bring up the next wave. And those guys will fill some of those slots. But hey, if you're actually competitive in June or July, that's going to be super awkward.
3: Really? Yeah. Right. I mean, having Cal Quantrill up there getting bombed is is not what you're looking for to right. build momentum. So um, point
2: being, they should do this, man. I mean, they're not gonna. But this would be the really, way that could actually make them
3: a winning team this year. Um. If there's one thing we've learned in the Andy Green era, it's that there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of ideas, but there's not a lot of follow through. Um, I've always found him to be just, I don't know, a younger Bud Black, basically, except not as good with pitchers as Bud Black. I should say, I've I've made this point before, but I'm I'm actually pretty pro Bud Black. I like Bud Black, but uh, I know that's an unpopular opinion among Padres Twitter. Andy Green has great ideas, and I don't know if he doesn't have the freedom to implement them or if he's risk-averse, which many times these guys are, because when you... And, and this is the example given a lot in, in football, right? About why, why wouldn't you go for a two-point conversion every time? The t- statistics show that you're better off if you just do it every time. But it, it's a way to shift blame when something goes wrong. And if Andy Green were to use the opener and the opener got shelled or Chris Paddock got shelled, then the explanation is it's not Chris Paddock. It's the fact that he couldn't prepare as a starter for that game. Right. And that means that it's not Chris Paddock's fault. It's Andy Green's fault. And so there is this big movement, not a movement, just a impulse, right, to contain risk and to push risk on into other places, push blame into other places. So I'm with you. I think it would be great if Andy – and this would be a great chance for Andy Green to put everything on the line, right, because his job is on the line. For sure. So you might as well – you might as well go balls to the wall this year, right? And Dude,
2: I'm, and I know all about that. Unfortunately,
3: the reality of it, the likely reality of this, is that you do have paddock go for four innings. And like we talked, like I talked about with the bullpen, you're not bringing in Craig Stammen in the fifth inning. You're bringing in Brian Mitchell in the fifth right, inning. Right. And that's where things go off the rails. So, because, I mean, let's face it, the long relievers are the guys that you're counting on, and those are generally not your best um, relievers. So, right. I think that's... You want to, but but Andy Green's absolved of it, right? Because he did the typical standard configuration of his of his pitching rotation. So I don't know. It's it's weird. You talked about the stats changing. Um, I don't know if you saw the FanGraphs update for catcher framing. No. Did you see that they no. up- updated all of their WAR statistics to implement framing in a really sophisticated way, where not only did they improve the catcher. You know, affect the catcher war, but the pitching staff is also affected because if you are a pitcher with an elite framer, you're not actually that good. You're not as good as you think you are. Gotcha. Right? And Hedges, unsurprisingly, was greatly benefited. I, I want to say he was the highest WAR position player, maybe player on the team last year. Once you factor in that that WAR, astonishingly, do you remember back to 2014? Do you remember the catching duo? Uh, was that
2: Grandal with uh, Rivera?
3: Yes. Can you guess what that tandem was worth in WAR?
2: Well, I I remember they were both considered such elite framers that it was probably a lot.
3: Seven. No way. Seven WAR player. They're all they're like a, a, a almost a mookie Betts in value that year. I mean, obviously that was kind of a blip for Renee yeah, Rivera. Fell that's off the cuckoo. cliff. Not for Grandall Ole. grandall's look up when you when you get a chance. Look up Grandall's new Fangraph WAR. It's it's ridiculously good and makes me feel a lot worse. One of, by the way, it. the
2: complete steals of the offseason was the Brewers getting Grand Ole. Absolutely. I, I I drafted him in fantasy and I was never not going to. Like, you take that guy and you put him in Miller Park, like, I'm expecting 33 Eugene. home runs. Yeah. You know, I'm, I expect, I'm expecting 30 home runs out of the catcher spot and, by the way, helping manage that pitching staff, which again is another amazing example of a team that didn't have enough pitching to get there and got there because they used their pitching right. And that's exactly what the Padres could be this year and might not be. Let's get to the next thing. What will the Padres do the worst this season?
3: Play defense, play defense, uh, the outfield defense has the potential to be abysmal. Yes. Uh, especially if there's an impulse to put Franchi in center field or Will Myers. In center field. <laughs> or Will Myers like, anywhere. I think people forget, like, Will Myers wasn't just bad. Will yeah. Myers was on pace to be historically bad yes. after one month. Yes. And, and, like, thinking back to 2015— there was a lot riding on 2015, right? I mean, they gambled everything, basically. And a huge part of that gamble was that, A, Alexi Amarista would be okay at shortstop, and, B, Will Myers would be a competent center fielder. And to pull the plug after one month was—that should tell you everything about how bad he was because they right. would have done anything to make that work if it was at all workable, right?
2: But he was he was like minus eight defensive war in a month.
3: So bad. Yeah. And And I'm not seeing— Look, I didn't watch every spring training game, but he didn't look a lot better there this year.
2: The so. times I saw him, he looked pathetic.
3: And Fran Mill, not a, great, not a great fielder. No. Will Myers, like, the best we can say about him is, eh, he was okay last year. Not as bad as we thought he would be, which right. is good. Manny Margot not has not been the
2: elite fielder they expected him to be.
3: Right. He's been good, but he's not, he's not, um, not Peter Borjos in his prime. Out right. There, right. I right. Mean,
2: it's true. And I think you're right, especially the outfield. Now, we expect the infield defense to be good.
3: We think. I mean, let's let's be realistic. You've got Luis Urias, who is not a shortstop, playing shortstop. For now. We don't know how he will be. We assume he will be great. But we also assumed he was going to be called up last April. We also assumed he was going to hit right away because the one thing you heard about him was that guy barrels the ball. Right. And we haven't seen it so far. I'm not saying he's not going to, but it's hard to count on something when you haven't done it before. So we don't know. Obviously, if Third base is great.
2: Third, and by the way, second base is too. Kinsler, Kinsler, Kinsler is. Kinsler in terrific. the field is great. Yeah. Yeah. And and as such, Hosmer is gonna look so much better this year.
3: And you know, we love Tatis and I'm not gonna doubt him, but uh, I'm not well, I'll doubt his I'm not doubting him, but we don't know if he's good at that major league shortstop. He's sailed some throws this year, like all we know, all we base our entire opinion off Tatis's defense is like twelve second snippets that get posted on Twitter of outstanding plays, and there are many. But there's also a lot of shortstops that I mean, Khalil Green made tremendous plays, right? But but he would miss a lot of balls also, or he'd have bonehead errors. Like, if, but if all you see are the diving catches, then you'd say he's Ozzie Smith, second coming. But you know, so I mean, there's questions on the defense.
2: So that's. Just like I said, for what will the Padres do best and your answer, that was definitely kind of going to be my answer, was outfield defense, and it is absolutely a correct answer. But I'm going to submit something else uh, for discussion purpose and also you know because I think it could wind up being the things the Padres do the worst this year, which is the thing they've done the worst the last five years in a row in Major League Baseball, and that's get on base. On base percentage, I don't believe it's been substantively improved this year. Manny Machado is better. And if he can be around a 360-370 on base, he'll lead the team by a wide margin in that in that category. Source of on-base. I don't see center field as being a source of on-base. Fran Mill's the one guy with a walk rate that you might like. But Renfro, you know, even though he got better, and and maybe he gets better again, uh, he's still not a guy I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on-base from Hunter Renfro. He improved,
3: but he went from horrendous to bad.
2: Right, exactly. So if he went from bad to below average, I mean, that would still be a step up. Um, You know, Kinsler's on-base fell was La- bad. It was bad. bad. And if he's leading off and he's not doing better than he did like back to two years ago, he'll be a bad leadoff hitter uh, for this team. He'll be a 300 on base leadoff hitter, which is bad, which is also what the Padres have had for a long time, save Jankowski, whose 340 looked like golden.
3: Right. right? I-, I think we'd assumed Urias was going yes. to be an OBP guy, but we haven't seen it. He still could be. He's still... I mean, I I hope he is. I kind of think they need him to be. They do need him.
2: In the end result, they're going to need him to be 375 and above. And, hey, look, I'm willing to eat a year of Luis Rivas struggling and finding himself, Mm -hmm. but there needs to be some finding of himself over the course of this year. Like, if he's at the end of the year 220 with a 290...
3: You can't go forever. Like, the window's opening. So, like, the time for being able to to ride out a guy hitting two twenty is over. I mean, this is it. Yeah. So... Yeah, this is kind of like
2: the last year you could survive it.
3: Right, yeah. It's the last year in the laboratory this year. Um, I'm curious what you think about something I threw out about Eric Hosmer. What are your thoughts on Eric Hosmer being... He's not as good as Giles at getting on base, but a Giles-style leadoff hitter. A guy that gets on base, doesn't have a ton of power... It doesn't put the pressure on him to hit 30 home runs. Right. But he's an OBP guy with declining power. And that's what Brian Giles was. And Giles, instead of starting to swing for the fences, like really honed his on-base skills. I don't see anyone else in the lineup that can be that right. high OBP guy, except for Machado.
2: Yeah, I mean, Myers as a leadoff hitter was a disaster. It's really supposed to be a Rias. And if it's not a Rias, I'm going to be disappointed, frankly. You know, he's one of the kids I'm the highest on in the whole thing and if he winds up being a disappointment that's going to be a bummer, man. I mean, that's going to that's going to drag things down. I do prefer Hosmer in that kind of number 2 role uh, of being the because to me when I think of what's Hosmer's true strength, compare, you know, you, you made the Giles comparison. Giles was an OBP machine
3: and, and he was way better than it, right.
2: you know, like crazy OBP lead the league's in, league in walks, OBP. So like a different monster. To me Hosmer's a line drive guy, right? Like he when he's right, it's supposed to be 308, 310, right with 40 doubles and 20 homers. Are you talking Hosmer OBP Hosmer. wise? But I, mean, Hosmer no, OBP I mean wise. Is no, I'm talking that's the average and then the uh, the OBP okay. to yeah. be in the Hopefully 370 300 to 375, Yeah, yeah that 375-ish. 375-ish. Right. But it's uh, my point being that it's a product of his hitting. His on-base is a product of his hitting, whereas Giles' on-base was a product of his eye, right? And his eye was going to get him the f- 350 points of on-base, mm-hmm. and then his skill would take the rest, right? Um, but,
3: but in the end, OBP is OBP, right? And sure. you want people on-base in front of Machado. And look, the sure. team's got plenty of power. They don't need to put Eric Cosmer in the middle of the lineup. There's guys with... A lot of guys with better power than him.
2: Well, he shouldn't be in the
3: middle right?
2: if that's how he skills out. Right, I know. But that's why I just look at two, right? Two is the same thing. It's getting on in front of Machado.
3: But I don't know what you—see, this is kind of like a long-term view of things, but, like, he's here for seven more years, right? And hmm. you got to do something with him. Yeah. And, like, yeah. if that's what he's going to be, if power is going to decline, which if you look at aging curves and stuff, that's what's going to go, it'd be—maybe it's time to start— sculpting him into that position uh, maybe not this year but that's kind of what i hope for that's to me he's not going to be your number three hitter for seven more years right so you right. got to do something with right him. you can cut bait or you can whatever with him but that's my solution i don't know
2: I, i'm not against it i just think it's something that would evolve i i let me put it this way three years from now if that's his role i'm not surprised at all
3: and and there have been test cases where that's been successful with a first baseman. Casey Kochman did it yep. for a long time. John yep. Olerud right. did that, except John Olerud had much better hitting skills. But yes. But there are cases where there are small power, good on base first baseman that are at the top of a lineup. So that's my hope. As, as negative as I can be on Eric Hosmer, like, I do think there's a path where he can be a usable player for a good team. I completely agree. It's just not as a slugger.
2: Who do you think should get... The three highest plate appearance totals in the San Diego outfield this year.
3: Um, I, I think it should be Myers, Fran Mill, and Margot. I, Which I don't think is probably can, the starting lineup
2: opening day, I right? Yes,
3: yeah. Renfro had a pretty bad spring, and I, I think I think it's too early to give up on Margot. I think this is it for him. Right, but depending on how his defense is like you can survive with a really good defensive center fielder that gets on base 300 at a 300 clip so that's where i go i'm not on the franchise train i've said this a few times but i think he's risky i think the likelihood of him being a productive player are low the ceiling is really high obviously but that's right. a li- usually the case with a lot of really high ceiling guys there's a really high chance of flame out and for some reason i just get this feeling that he's he's not a championship center fielder Certainly not defensively. I mean, he totally oh. sucks on defense.
2: Yeah. He's not been good. People he's got to get way sprint better
3: speed with defensive skills and his defensive skills are terrible.
2: Yeah, they are there. I mean, so far, right? Still young, still could get better. He's not that young. He's not that young, is he?
3: I mean, he's moved around the field because he's been bad at every, literally every position <laughs> he's played. <laughs> he was once a shortstop. Yes. He was the shortstop of the future at one time.
2: Well, I think that's the right answer again, Mr. Preller. Uh, you know, Renfro has a chance to be number three on that list over Fran Mill if he continues his development. I think Renfro developed a lot more than people wanted to give him credit for last year. And a lot of it happened in the second half when some people weren't even paying attention at all. Uh, and as such, I'm not going to dismiss Hunter out of hand. Uh, I believe, as I have believed, that this group it needs a trade. And I'm sure that that trade has been explored And as such, I believe it could happen at some point this year, if not right. uh, Obviously, not right away because it hasn't happened. But uh, I still see that as a possibility. Am I intrigued by Franchi? Dude, I bought the t shirt. I mean, I'm intrigued by Franchi.
3: Who isn't? I mean, I'm intrigued with him.
2: Would I be more excited against any right handed starting pitcher seeing him in the lineup? Yes. Over Marco? Yes. Just because I'm excited. I'm intrigued. He's got tools
3: that excite people.
2: The power is crazy. You know, the the chance to get better is there. So do I want to see it? I want to see it. But what you said is right. Margot should be in that top three. If he's not, that's a really bad sign for Manny Marco.
3: Do do they really have to trade Renfro? Like, this is kind of the thing I've been going back to. Like, A, he's got options. You can always send him down. Um, And B, is it that bad having him off the bench or as a platoon or as a reserve? Like, good teams have depth. And and I think there's this impulse to trade off people that aren't in your immediate starting lineup. But, like, there's a lot of value of having a guy that can hit a bomb at any time off the bench.
2: It's completely true.
3: You're not going to trade. If they could have traded him for something valuable, they would have done it already. Like, his value was was fairly high. I mean, not high, but comparatively high to other Renfro off-seasons. And, like... I think they're fine with him. I'm not down. Doub- I mean, I'm. I don't think he's going to be a superstar. But did you ever play baseball stars on Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. So the lovely ladies were a team on there, and you would always want to play <laughs> the lovely ladies because the prestige mattered. Prestige value. That's actually where prestige value is created <laughs> because you would make more money for your team right. when you played the lovely ladies. Because and there was a scene after each game where it'd show like the crowd in the stands, and then the money would fall. And so you'd always play Lovely Ladies to, to churn and win money so you could sign free agents or upgrade your players. And the Lovely Ladies had a player named Taka. She was a left-handed hitter. Taka. And Taka would hit 220, but she had immense power, like arguably some of the most power in the game. And she would always hit a home run off of me. And that's what I think. Hunter Renfro is Taka. Hunter <laughs> Renfro is a guy. and You, you know, look. We had Tommy Medica coming off the bench. You bring Hunter Renfro off the bench. That's championship caliber depth. Like that. Yeah, I don't think that's yeah. exaggerating. Championship teams have incredible depth, and I, there's no push to get him out of here. Right. That's you're not that's getting super Trevor reasonable. Bauer for Hunter Renfro. Well, no, you're right?
2: not. No, no. You you you're getting him for Hunter Renfro as the third part of that trade. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be two guys better than Hunter Renfro in that deal. I, I just before think him. he's
3: more valuable here than he is for. Uh, I mean. Clearly, A.J. didn't make the trades. Whatever he was offered, he didn't make it.
2: Right, right. I mean, Trevor Bauer, and that could be another five-minute discussion, but Bauer has said publicly and uh, multiple times that he'll never sign longer than a one-year free agent deal. And as such, I truly question the value of trading for a guy who would give you probably two great years and then would almost undoubtedly be gone. Well,
3: you're not trading for those, the future years. Like, this is, a lot of people think this. They said this about Galvis, They're like, well, you're not just trading for him here. You're trading for that exclusive extension period. (coughs) I'm like, well, look, they've got a million people telling them that are vested in his earnings. Go on the open market. Like, I think the idea, you're getting the two years. That's good. But, like, I think the assumption that you're also getting a future five years is, that's not part of the value. Like, that's what is open to the market. Right.
2: And as such, I don't know that the two years of value are enough.
3: Sure, it, given in the my timing equation, and the right. time frames. That's
2: everything. all. That's yeah. all. A year later and he's in the same spot, but with two years of time, it's a different story. But like I
3: said, if, if the Indians were willing to trade, you know, Bauer for Renfro and it Hedges, happened. like it would have happened. AJ would have signed that deal so quickly, like
2: For sure. Speaking of hedges, now that we know that Hedges and Mach- and Mejia are on the team and we're gonna just do let's just do this equation without Chris Stewart, all right? And if Chris Stewart comes in, he's just the the stupid thing that messed up the equation but
3: oh, you mean the uh, Rafi Lopez of exactly yeah.
2: exactly so what is your ideal breakdown of PT between these two cats this year
3: I think um, I think hedges should get the most I think hedges should get the most starts I think this is for some reason very unpopular with Padres Twitter but the do you, do you remember 2015, we've talked about 2015, but like one of the downfalls of 2015 was that they took Rene Rivera away and they stuck Derek Norris back there. Yeah. And the whole assumption of 2015 was that, the, like we talked about also, the pitching would stay constant and everything else improved, right? Except they changed a critical piece of the pitching battery and that led to the pitching being poor. Right. I think...
2: And they had the defense behind it that was god-awful.
3: Right. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, I mean, you had Maristich. you would got Will Middlebrooks at third. Like, the left yeah. side of the infield was the worst. But you've got... Uh, I'll get one more. Yeah, see. Yes, see. Um, I think... I think Hedges is... And you see it in what I talked about with the Fangraphs update. Like, he adds a lot of value. He's valuable. And there's a multiplier effect of having a guy that can call a game, that knows how to watch film of of opposing teams. And these aren't things that necessarily show up all the time. Framing now shows up, but game calling doesn't matter. Um, Game management doesn't matter to that computation. And for, for all of the bombs that we see Mejia hit sometimes on highlights, I think... I just think Hedges has more overall value to the team. And there's a lot more case studies of a player like Hedges on a championship team than there are of players like Mejia on a championship team.
2: So I'll go 110 to 52. I'd like to see Hedges start 110 games and Mejia 52. I'd be
3: good with that. That split is fine. And, and everyone knows you got to rest catchers, right? Right.
2: And they're going to be more productive if one isn't driven into the ground. Right. So when you say, oh, well, I I mean, I remember hearing uh, AC say that he thought Hedges would start over 120 games. And I'm just like, no. I, I just don't see it even if they love Hedges. Just it's the nature of the position. of There's the best opportunity to get rest at catcher. Oh, look, there's a day game followed by a night game. And then there's a day off the next day. I mean, obviously, we're going to start two catchers. So I think it's great they're both on the team. I think Mejia, in particular, is going to be a super weapon off the bench Base is loaded, two outs in the sixth. Bring up Mejia.
3: Right. He's a guy you want out there. Yeah, he
2: might slice one down the line and you score all three guys, you know? He might bomb it out of the park. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think Hedges has earned the number one because of his Im- offensive improvement. I mean, his defense is great. We know it. Mm-hmm. His offense for three months last year was Jeff Mathis. And then he turned, well, they traded for Mejia. He turned the corner. He started hitting bombs. He got decent. And just a decent Hedges is so good behind the plate that it's fine. Yeah. You know, then, then you want that to be the starter. And I think if that plays out that way, well, you've set yourself up well for the future as well in terms of one of these guys either distinguishes or doesn't distinguish themselves, you know, either plays themselves into or out of a role or they both succeed and you've still got this amazing dynamic where in the next offseason you can make a choice that recalibrates your assets in a more functional way.
3: So you uh, you mentioned AC, one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> he, he has been banging the drum, and we all know where AC's sources are and who they are, but he's been banging the drum that uh, Mejia needs more time, that someone keeps telling AC over and over that Mejia needs time to work on his defense. And really, you look beyond what AC's written they were in on Real Mudo really hard this winter, yeah, and that should tell you something me away, about yeah. what they feel about the current catching situation and the personnel they have. Like you don't have Mejia, a top twenty prospect, whatever, wherever he is on the top one hundred, and go out and give up the farm to get a Real Mudo if you believe that Mejia actually is as good as his prospect rating. So, right? Man, I saw a lot of bad Mejia at bats last year and this spring. Really, um, he's he's like. He's he's one of those guys where he's like feast or famine and I do not I don't I don't know.
2: I'm he's, I, I wanna see he's like Pablo yeah. Sandoval,
3: like you don't know how he hits some pitches but but at some point you're not gonna be able to do it anymore, right?
2: <laughs> but see, he's so young that I don't want to put any label on him yet. Yeah, he's got I, I see a clean swing from both sides of the plate. You know, and as and I see a guy who's for his size generates power and, and lift and drives the ball. There's see, a lot there, and plus he's got a, a 70 to 80 grade arm.
3: Yeah, no, that's part. That part's great, but we had that two years ago. Like Bethancourt was also an 80 grade arm. Sure, Bethencourt was a top 100 catching prospect based off of his arm. Should
2: me, should Mejia get the
0: seventh?
3: Man, <laughs> maybe he'd be better. <laughs> Does he
0: have a good curveball?
3: He's clearly the new uh, with Amarista gone. Like he's clearly the the new arm off emergency the emergency pitcher, right? right? Yeah. yeah, maybe. I maybe. would love to see him pitch.
2: I'd like to see him crank it up and just see what happens. Yeah. That'd just, be kind of sick. You know,
3: just for the, the, the metrics on it.
2: Right. Well, I'm yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, I'm really happy they've made this decision. I wouldn't have been happy if they put him in AAA. I would have thought Hedges and Chris Stewart would have been kind of like the white guy cop-out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we just need our veteran catcher. Yeah. Like, screw but that. They don't speak Spanish. Right. They can't talk to Gerardo yeah. Reyes. By the way, that's big to me. That is big. That's huge to me. And I know I'm, I'm far more Sin fronteras you know, just with my job and, and whatnot, but... Uh, you mean with
3: the 19-1 and and San Diego Soccers? Correct. Yeah. Correct.
2: With, uh, with like 60% Spanish monolingual roster, and I'm on a 14-day streak on Duolingo, by the way. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> Yo tengo una maleta. <laughs>
3: I heard you break out some Spanish here. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm
2: yeah. g- I, I, it's in there, man. I'm trying. I'm, I'm really <laughs> trying to learn. Uh, I, unlike some people, you know, some people in those circumstances say you learn English. I say no. I learn Spanish. You know, I need to learn your language, yeah. and, and it's going to make me smarter. Why do I expect you to do it? Which is what we said it? about
3: the manager, right? That yes, it makes sense to have a guy's. You don't want Manny Machado to have to be the translator, like, right?
2: You also don't want Manny Machado to say something behind your back that you don't know.
3: That and, and look. Like these players are coming from the Dominican. They've got a lot on their plate, right? They're 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 trying to be good baseball players. Like that's a full time job. They're working out. You want them to what? Then go to English class after, or or yeah. do you want to just hire a professional to manage them that already right. speaks their language, so they don't have to do that? Like, I, I don't know. It's,
2: <laughs> no, it's easy for me. I, I do know. I think it's just, just silly. Yeah, it's it's a stubbornness and a silliness. But that's so. I got yeah. one last thing on me here. Yeah,
3: and so. You've watched his home runs, right? The highlights. Yes. It's always on this inside low pitch, yeah, right? That oh, he, he can jerks crank to that, the, that one. That out, he pulls. Yeah. It reminds me of Carlos Villanueva last year. Do you remember Villanueva would crank every low and inside pitch to him into the Western Metal Supply? Pitch? Yeah. In fact, the three home run game, the three home runs were almost identical. Yeah, it was like inner half, inner half,
2: inner half fastball crush.
3: I'm. Sh- I mean, he obviously has. I think he has better bat to ball skills and better skills, but like that's what I see with his power, and so that kind of worries me because Villanueva, who is incredible, the f- third baseman of the future, last April, the rookie of the year, rookie of the month, fell off the table because the league adjusted to him, and so that worries me a little bit with him.
2: It's all worth. Uh, Here is the interesting part, right? The Padres made a huge trade last year to get a, a critically, eva- a positively evaluated player from the minor leagues and they don't have to have him be good. They really don't. right? If Francisco Mejia isn't good, they've got options.
3: It's not like Tatis where if Tatis isn't good, we're totally boned for years. For years. Mejia, we've got a nice backup plan.
2: That's the next topic on the list and we can scratch Hosmer off because we already talked about Hosmer. I am not mad at the Padres at all for doing the right thing. And the right thing is not having Tatis on the opening day roster. The rules are the rules, guys. Like, I, I'm sorry. I get that we're excited. I get that 2019 is new. It's the new thing that exists right now. Opening day is Thursday. Would I love to see Tatis? Yeah, I'd love to see Tatis. But if you told me, hey, see Tatis Thursday, it's going to cost you a year, on a full year on the back end. I'd say, fuck No keep him in the minors well, and, and that's the actual reality.
3: And people are like, "Wow, well, they're going to extend him anyways." But like you, if you if you have him for an extra year, you you're actually extending him off of that year. Like right. It's, it's not like it's just, it just disappears. Like that's always there. And I think you make a point that this isn't like this thing past Ron Fowler didn't impose this rule. Like the players literally voted on it and imposed it on themselves. Correct. So it's not like it's not unfair. I mean, I, it's it's kind of unfair. It's unfair to the young players, right? They don't have a lot of say in the negotiations. But the union literally proposed and agreed to this CBA. So I guess I I feel like everyone's like, well, these cheap owners are holding them back. But like the players all agreed to it. It's a it's a bilateral agreement. So I don't feel that bad wow. about it. And. Is the two week difference of having going to matter to us no. as fans? I mean, right. We got Paddock. That's a big win, right?
0: Yeah. Most and by the way, Kinsler's like, a Saras really good was, second base.
3: Surprised that Paddock was making the roster. Like,
0: yeah,
3: it's a big deal that they. Lucky
0: Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
1: Lucky in line at the deli. I guess. Ah ha! In my dentist's office.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're doing that. Like, that's not cheap, cheap, same old padres. Right.
2: Plus, it gives us another gift to unwrap later. Yeah. Which I don't think is a bad thing in any way in a year like this. Well, where things. is what
3: offsets what you talked about, the media issue. <laughs> it, it, right. If you start slow, you push the Tatis button. And... Correct.
1: And you reset everything.
2: Absolutely right. If they're a bummer, four weeks in, if they're nine and fourteen,
0: you bring have up insurance T's. policy. Yeah. Bring up
2: Tatis, and it's all forgotten. And for the next two weeks, if Tatis strikes out every at bat, we're still going to be all high fiving, and you're going to be putting up some really unsavory gifts. <laughs> you know, like like those things are going to happen, no matter what. So, uh, no, absolutely, strategically, tactically, and of course. Financially, right? It I'm 100 with
3: you. Would I like to see him on opening day? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to the game, so it really matters less to me. But like, right? Uh, of course, yeah. But I would also really like to see him in 2025, 26, 25. Yeah. I think, yeah, in a Padres uniform. And the other thing is, people are like, "Well, this is a new ownership. They're they're spending." And like, well, look, if they going to spend an extra 20 million dollars on Tatis that they wouldn't have otherwise, like. It's not a limitless treasury, right, that right. they're pulling for it. It's not the U.S. government. It's like <laughs> uh, it's coming out of somewhere. So why wouldn't you want Like this, this will make the team better.
2: Let me ask one. This was not written down, but I meant to. One more thing and we're going to get to predictions. I've been saying for a lo- for a while now, and before they signed Machado, which was, of course, you know, I'll give myself the self-back pat on my own feed. We talked about Machado a long time before. A lot of people did. I made a big, long-winded argument that they should sign Manny Machado specifically to 10 years and 300 million. <laughs> and John told me I was insane and that it would never happen, and it happened. So, yay me! But I also thought this year... That there was a really strong argument to be made that you could get a cheaper third baseman and Dallas Keuchel and do more for your club overall because you're addressing a position of need and you're doing so with a player who I personally and clearly the Padres don't necessarily agree, think is a perfect fit to the need. Well, now we we are in a different situation. We're two days from opening day. Dallas Keuchel's unsigned, which has already ruined his 2019. Like, the odds of Dallas Keuchel having a good 2019 are low now. Like, it's way more likely he either gets hurt or he comes up and sucks for a month like Alex Cobb did to get himself right. Like, Alex Cobb did this exact same thing last year. Not as good a pitcher as Dallas Keuchel. Not even, I'd say, I don't even know if he's 75% of the pitcher. The I Dallas think Arrieta is
3: more comparable, and yeah. he had a pretty poor 2018.
2: Uh, exactly. I think you're dead right on that. Uh, Arietta is a better example. Okay, so, so he might not be great this year, and this situation is just real. It exists, and it's getting worse day by day. He might be, like, desperate now. He might be—his mind might be spinning. His wife might be—they might be getting in fights at home, like— Things might be wrong, right. in the, in the Keuchel household right now. Put three years, thirty six million, in front of him. Put maybe do better than that. Do maybe do four years, seventy five million. Like put a, a something that would be friendly to the Padres, but would look good to him right now. Shouldn't the Padres
3: do this? I'm not on this. I'm not. No. I'm not pro Keuchel. So he Keuchel was what with the Astros? A three or four? He their was kind of there
2: too. He was there one when they first broke up.
3: Broke last out. Year, though. Let's talk last, last year behind
2: Verlander and Cole. Right. He was there three.
3: I think. I think he's James Shields. I think he's James Shields too.
2: I think he's better. You're than talking four seventy
3: five. That's James Shields. Like.
2: Well, that is James Shields. He was four seventy seven. You're Shields's right. Yeah. Contract. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think he's way better than James Shields.
3: I guess. I, I don't think he's going to be good in two years. I think. I, I think as you. Pointed out, he's not going to be good this year, probably. I think it's probably if he's going to be good next year and then really year three and four of that. I, here, here's the thing I think if he had a two year, $36 million contract offer, he probably has had that offer. Like, if we're being serious, I mean, You'd there think. are a lot of teams that could use D- Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I think he would have signed it by now. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, that's me speculating, but if there was a one or two year contract offer on the table, I think he pretty much said no to it already.
2: I think this city would love Dallas Keuchel in a way that many other cities wouldn't. You know, we because he would come in but and we after loved,
3: we love Big Game James too. <sighs> who loved fuck? Who loved no, no, no. Big when James? He came Game in, James? we loved him local with his guy, stop sign in lived the in block Santa room. Fe his, his room. Cry, his cryotherapy place in Flower Hill. I think after we're, ten starts, we were, we're looking over at Cryo Big Game. Yeah. right out the window over here. I think in
2: ten starts, we were all over Big Game James, like over him, done. Because he wasn't good. Yeah, right? he, was te- he, was, he was garbage. What happens when
3: Keichel's not good? But see, we're
2: we're earlier in the game still on Keikel's clock. Like I think than we're, we're looking for was. a
3: placeholder, right? Like we talked about Saturday, we have no clue who's starting. It's probably going to be something suboptimal. Yeah. Uh, if all you want's a placeholder, like there's guys in the minors that need a little work, right? That <laughs> they're not going to be aces, they're not going to be stars. Logan Allen's a future Ford, right? Yeah. yeah. Cal Quantrill's would be future four or five, maybe. Those are guys we're waiting on to get ready, and I think we're just... I feel like the gamble they've made is that the pitching is going to backfill, and that's why they could afford Manny Machado, right? And there's guys coming up pretty soon that will fill those spots, and we just need a guy to to eat those innings for now. People think I'm joking about the Bartolo Colon thing. It doesn't have to be Bartolo Colon, but there are other guys out there that are... One year, yeah, yeah, one million, two million dollar guys that will throw the innings and put up a four point seven five ERA that will kill time until until uh, Cal Quantrill comes up or until Logan Allen comes up. Like the the spots are going to be filled. I'm, I I, I think pretty soon Keuchel's not going to be the best option out of the five.
2: So. I will admit my subjectivity on this, all right? So just everyone listening, you know it's a subjective argument. I I think Heiko would be way better than that. And not just a little better. I think he'd be a lot better than that because I believe he's a near-perfect fit for the park, the division, the overall division, pitching in San Francisco, pitching in L.A., uh, you know, and... This team should, put the asterisks on the front and the back of the word, should have tremendous infield defense for multiple years. Machado is a legit top three defender at his position. Tatis should be good. Kinsler we know is one of the best at his position, and we believe Urias can match or surpass that. Hosmer has one 4 Gold Gloves. Say what you want. The catching position is elite, right? And we agree on that. The outfield defense is poor, and Keichel throws ground balls. You know, he, yeah, he doesn't strike out a million. He's not Noah Syndergaard. But when I see that, I say at 31, I'm more willing to believe Dallas Keichel has four 200-inning years in his arm than I do Noah Syndergaard, who might go one solid year break, Have a year and a half off.
3: He's a potential flame out guy.
2: Absolutely. Um, Whereas Keichel to me is that guy. But here's the biggest thing it goes back to 30 minutes ago on this podcast. The Padres don't have a 150 inning pitcher on their team, and Keichel's a 200 inning pitcher. And it's 33 starts, six and two thirds, you know, a lot of quality starts, 20 quality starts. And that's the thing that the Padres just completely don't have. They don't have. They don't have it, and they don't have anything that looks like it. And they won't have anything that looks like it. For like two years, they won't. And we, we talked about this. It's two years until Paddock can be like a just shove, right. stud, ace. So, and that goes for a lot
3: of the guys coming up too. Right.
2: When Tino comes up, he's not going to come up and throw two hundred innings. When Espinosa comes up, he's not going to come up and throw two hundred innings. When Baez comes up, he's not going to come up and throw two hundred innings. You know. So, having a guy like that, and he's not Clayton Richard. He's not going to go out there and lead the league in hits allowed. He's going to be top ten in soft contact. Right. I
3: mean, he's like a three plus WAR pitcher last year. Yeah. The thing. I, I think there in is hitters, rea- in there is some in a tough to division, division
2: in th- with the DH in a band box.
3: You give him four seventy five, and I think that's it. Uh, payroll wise, like we spent a lot of time this offseason, you know, brushing up on our accounting skills. Yes, and yes, stuff. yes. You um, especially, yeah, a lot. Uh, there's a ceiling. Like I think there's a segment that thinks, oh, you know, this is a new ownership; they're going to run out a hundred seventy million dollar payroll. And you kind of see. I don't know if you read the James Dolan is it James Dolan, uh, Dolan who oh, the yeah Indians? not James but the Peter, other one yeah Peter yeah, Dolan yeah or I something? forget
2: but I read it yesterday enjoy right.
3: him <laughs> they they've won 3 division titles they yeah. went to the world series they topped out at like 137 million dollars payroll right and i think there's this belief that this is a new 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 ownership right and they'll go to 170 180 and i guess i i just don't i don't see that as realistic i, I listen to fowler no one listens to him more intently than me and I don't, I don't see that. And so, if you spend eighteen million dollars a year on uh, Dallas Keuchel, what, what's that bring your payroll to up to one hundred thirty, low hundred thirties or so? I kind of think that's maybe they'll push it to one hundred forty. Maybe we'll touch league average. Maybe, but like that's about it. And you better hope that bullpen is good. That there's a closer. If you, if, right, you know, I, I just think it's risky to bet it all on the, everything we've got left on. On Keuchel. It that's, worries me. It's not Especially going into a season that may not matter. And maybe we wait and see and sign next year's Dallas Keuchel. Because the labor situation is not changing in right. the immediate future. Right.
2: I, I don't, like I said, that's not wrong. And it's completely reasonable.
3: But I, I will give you that he would certainly make this team better. Like, like signif- is, I think significantly he is better. He the ace. He should be the opening day starter.
2: Right. He really. would be the opening day starter. And he, but now, here's the problem. Like, they should have done it. 3 weeks ago. Right. And if they had been able to do something 3 weeks ago, he would be the opening day starter and it would and I would in our very next segment that we're about to begin predict a winning record for the San Diego Padres. I would predict a winning record for the San Diego Padres because I'd be like with this plus that plus this plus that, we can get there. I can stitch it together. Yeah. I can stitch us to 83 and 79. I can get there. Like I can't get there right now as much as I dream. Now, again, going back now 40 minutes in the podcast, if we were aggressive with the opener, if we were innovative, if we were looking to to pull out all the stops creatively. Right. Maximize your assets. That's Yeah. Then I'd say there's a chance for this team to be good to an 85, 89, 92 if it
3: all came together. And there's a path. There's a path to that.
2: Right. But the, it's a narrow path. It's a narrow path. It involves the opener. It involves... A lot of bullpen arms being good. It involves Stock no injuries, being terrific. Like, no injuries. Paddock being good. Lauer and Lauer taking this step up that we think because he's thrown this backfield slider that they didn't want to show anybody, and all of a sudden, Lauer's five and zero oh with a two fifteen ERA. Six starts into the year, and you're like, holy shit, this thing is working. You know, like, there's a way that I could see it happen. The the offense is consistently powerful. As you said, the thing they do best home runs, right? Just they get 620 home run hitters on the team, you know, and one of them, Manny goes for 38 or something like that, right? You know, Hosmer bounces back, Hedges takes a step up, Strom is good. Lau Lour- Lucchese isn't bad. Like, there's a way to do it. Uh, last year on this podcast, John told me a way the Padres could win 90 games. I laughed. You guys were
3: very optimistic last He year.
2: laughed. I laughed. I laughed at him. I believe I picked reasonably close to where they finished. No one picked 66 wins, but I, I think I said 71 or something like that at the time. So right now, prediction time.
3: Like you said, there's a there's a narrow path. Right? Yeah, there is a way that they could get to 90 wins, I think, but it's like the wipeout course. Like, yeah, you can finish the wipeout course <laughs> on one you try. Might get but like the, in the, the face odds are you're going to get punched in the nards, and and you're going to fall into the pit. Right, you're yes. going to fall into the pool, and you're going to break your leg, and you're going to just suffocate in the water, and someone's going to make a GIF out of it, and they're right. going to post on Twitter all the time. And, and you're like, going to get a morning it's just show. Be a sad time for everyone. You're going to become the lead PA for the seals, And like. It's just a sad path it that is. is unlikely but possible. It's a dark road. Right.
2: <laughs> Three years from later, now you're in the box office. You're in the box of Pachanga
3: going, get loud! <laughs> and you're like, what happened? Life came at you fast. It came at you fast, and it all started on that path, right? <laughs> and the path is there, and you can win it. Yeah. But, like, it's a real hard path, and you better have balls of steel because you're getting hit in the balls. So, so how
2: many games are the Padres going to win?
3: Uh, I... I'm saying 79. I'll say. What did they win last year?
2: 66?
3: You know how immense and 96? a 12 win increase is? Oh, my God. With literally only changing out one player while reducing much of the pitching staff. Like, that's a win. Yeah. That's an Andy Green win, to be honest. Like, for as much as no one blamed him for the drop in wins, like, that's a big increase that he should be lauded for.
2: So I'm going to. I told you I'm hoping this will be a winning year. So I don't want anyone to th- just throw this in my face. you say me? if the team's got a winning record in June? Hey, guess what, guys? You can have a winning record in June and still finish where I'm about to say. Okay? I, the thing I believe the most is that the Padres pitching staff is going to flame out at some point in June or July. That's the thing I believe about this current group the most. That's why I'm such a Keuchel advocate. I think he'd be a flame-out controller.
3: Well, Keichel's why. If Keichel's there, you're not bringing up Dylan Overton, right? right? To fill starts like has been happened and will happen again this year at right. some point. Like people forget teams turn through like 13, 14 starters. Like yes. if you go look at the stats for 2018, just click on GS, games started, sorted by that, and you'll see some crazy names over the years right. that started games. Jack Castle, you remember him? No. Like Matt Castle's brother that pitched for the Padres <laughs> <Matt> <laughs> he had like four starts for the Padres. This happens. It happens right. every year. It does. Especially when you don't have a Dallas Keichel to eat those innings.
2: So I'm going to pick the win total of the team that had the most excitement and buzz prior to this year. I'm going to go with the 2015 number of 74 wins.
3: Wow. Check out Mr. Pessimist over here.
2: 74 wins is an
3: eight game improvement. A big. Yes. It's a legit. Seven game.
2: 66, 66, 66, 66. game yeah. Yeah, An 8-game improvement. It's a very realistic improvement. It's an improvement that puts Machado's war into the equation and doesn't just magic up everything else, kind of allows for the adversity of the season. And I firmly believe it could be better than that. That's kind of my floor in a way. And I
3: also think both of us would say in 2020 that you would see uh, um, a a much bigger multiple jump. Yes, a spike. But we probably should be realistic about 2019.
2: It's just about the innings totals, man. It's really, to me, it just comes down to a math equation about the innings. Like, there's just not enough there. And then there's a way to juggle those innings in a, in a very productive way. But I just don't believe the Padres are going to do it. I just don't think that Robert Stock's going to start the 60 games this year that he should start. Robert Star- Stock should set the Padres' all-time franchise record for games started. This year, and like the guy who has the second highest record should be whoever it should have been Jose Castillo, but like Aaron Loop or whatever, like yeah, that Adam that, Warren, one of yeah. those guys. Yeah, Adam. War- By the way, Adam Warren is a guy I should have mentioned before. Like he, may he
3: start on Saturday. He actually, could be really, really good. ACs for this thing. actually floated it out there that they think of him as a starter, and you know he heard it somewhere.
2: Adam Warren is one of these cats that's been good and then went to New York and wasn't good and could be in San Diego and just be brilliant. And in July, he's got a 2.3 ERA. You're know, like, who the hell is Adam Warren? But Adam Warren's a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. So, yeah, like, there's a, there's a way they could do better. I just don't believe the organization is currently calibrated intelligently enough to truly do it this year. And as such, it really makes me think that next year's the year because next year's going to be the year that Urias figures out how to hit, that Tatis is there for good and, like, breaks out, that our outfield sorts out, that they make the right trade, that there's innings, the innings restrictions aren't so onerous. I mean, the innings restrictions this year, guys. I mean, honestly, we're all just whacking each other on the back about Paddock. If Paddock pitches more than 145 innings, this is a disaster. Like, I want all of Chris Paddock, not just now. Right. He's Mr. Right, not Mr. Right now. Like, let's go, you know? Let's do this the right way. And by doing it the right way, we're going to fuck ourselves this year. We're going to hamstring ourselves. We're going to shut down
3: guys in August. And it's like, ugh. And people are going to hate it. Right.
2: People are going to hate it.
3: We're going to scream at Andy Green, right? If he's here still, which he might not be,
2: he (laughs) might not be. It's true, but so I so so you're going seventy nine and eighty three, and I'm saying seventy four and eighty eight as a very reasonable. And if it's in between the two of us, that's
3: fine. That's the range we've created. Because twenty twenty is going to be the jump. Twenty twenty is the jump.
2: I agree with you, man. I agree with you. What a great podcast!
3: Yeah. You know, we're on the way to making the Padres great again. You yes. know, I think so.
2: Podcast-wise. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast-wise, yes. That's what happens with super pods.
3: <laughs> Wonder pod powers activate. Yeah, the wings of podcaster.
2: Form of an ice-cold black bean burger. <laughs> Shape of
3: penitent man IPA. <laughs> man, we didn't even talk about the soccers, but this has been pretty long. We'll
2: That's play, all right. Yeah. Soccer's Overtime, MASL Podcast, both available for you to subscribe to. Yeah, I gotta get. I gotta eat this and get ready for work. Great, my friend. For HJ Preller, I'm Craig Elston, John Gennaro. We love you. We miss you. We'll hopefully hear from you again. The Padres shall not be great in 2019, but
3: greatness maybe 2020 is on the way. Yes, go Padres.